to the Toad House Bewitchery Podcast. Last week, we discussed ancestral altar spaces. This week, we're going to dive right into ancestral spirits and what we need to know about them. Obviously, ancestors are those who came before us in our direct bloodline who gave us the genetics and lent us some energies and personality traits that came along with us in these bodies that we have and inhabit. But beyond that, there's a deeper connection. And it's important to note that these are the safest spirits to work with. All spiritual practice as far as uh, necromancy, if you're doing that, or just getting into spirit work of any kind, should have a foundation of ancestral work because they connect with you differently and they have a interest in your success and your well-being in a way that an outside spirit will not will never have so again they are the safest and they are foundational to you and they are foundational to spirit work and what they are wanting beyond again your longevity and success is remembrance and connection they are looking for a relationship with you if you will open the door to it we have our ancestors around us anyway making attempts to help and guide where they can but if you take it a step further you have access to more information and more assistance than they could give with the door closed it is a relationship and should be treated as such We do not treat our ancestors like servants because they are not. Don't treat them like they owe you something. Don't always come asking because they will step back and not be as readily available and communicative. In working with our ancestors, there's an important word, and that's veneration. It's a form of ancestral veneration. We want to put them on high and honor and respect them for their contribution to our line 
and for their assistance in their next life during our current life. And veneration is to give great respect, respect and reverence to them. We want to honor them and welcome their wisdom and assistance. Typical ways to do that, again, are the ancestral spaces that we have in our home, the altar space dedicated to them with flame as offering and cool water, sometimes whiskey or tobacco, and there was more in the last podcast that you can refer to. We honor by keeping the space clean as well. We don't want a dirty, nasty space because that isn't a sign of veneration. We want to keep it well cared for. And we honor by listening and keeping space in our time and just holding space for them. Those are the ways, the simplest ways, the daily ways, the weekly ways, whatever you're choosing to do in your own practice, that you can honor them. Now to go a step further, and some things that we should know, if you're new to this, especially. Ancestors will keep their personality. Remember that they will keep their personality. If someone that you had known that, you know, and is now passed is very much changed. There's a chance, a very good chance. You have an imposter that you are dealing with because people don't suddenly change after having passed on. If you've been working with your ancestors for a long time, you won't have this issue. Uh, having an imposter, a mis usually mischievous entity, be a problem is more common to new workers because they're more vulnerable, they're more unsure, they don't have the skill set and the just practical practice yet. So they're easy targets. Um, and people who started doing graveyard work and spirit work prior to ancestral work and who were unprepared, maybe did some things kind of wrong, they are more vulnerable to an imposter spirit. So again, get your groundwork in, connect with those ancestors, do that first and you're fine. Ancestors will not, this, this is another very important thing. They will never tell you to cause harm to yourself or anyone else. If that is occurring, then you have a problem with something else. So that is important to know. Again, ancestors have an interest in your personal 
betterment. Um, they don't take an interest in causing you to go down paths that are harmful. Okay. So just keep those things in mind as you do your work. Unlikely to be an issue, but it is important to note. Personalities are going to pretty much stay the same. Strongly held beliefs are going to stay the same. And if it's somebody that you perhaps didn't know in your life, it's your mother's grandmother, your father's great-grandmother or grandmother or mother you didn't know or father, you know, whoever in the line. And you've heard stories about this person. Maybe you know somebody who's still alive that you could ask. If something's not adding up, ask your living relative if you are so lucky to have that connection. Not everybody is. Ask that living relative about that person and confirm if you think you have a problem spirit in, you know, imposturing. But the great thing about your ancestral connection is that if you build it and you do ground yourself well and you pull in your ancestors, your legitimate ancestors, they will remove your problem things. So don't get too weirded out not a common problem, but it does happen. So I did want to address it. Those lifestyle, religion, spirituality, personality issues, those are the things that can cause clashes beyond the grave. So as far as issues with an ancestor, that's where you're going to find them. And the more recently uh, deceased, the more likely you are to have those clashes if you're not living the same way they did and they had very strong opinions about it. And so let's talk about what to do should those situations arise. And they, they really do. And it can be depending on the line, the family line, and the temperament, it can become quite a problem for some people that is ongoing. So this is how we deal with that circumstance. The first thing you would like, you should try, and this is normally all you really need as soon as you know that, yeah, the fact that I am not Christian and these people were, and that it causes a problem and they are wanting this and they're doing, okay, great. As soon as you get to that point, you know what it is, or you have a suspicion, you go to being open to understanding where they are coming from, which is something that matures all of us, whether we're dealing with the living or those that have passed on. Be open to understanding where they're coming from. That doesn't mean you have to change your lifestyle and it doesn't mean you have to change your beliefs or your actions. It's just taking time to understand that this is how they see things. This person saw, sees things 
understand where they're coming from, and then be calm and clear in your statements of autonomy. I hear you. I understand that this, whatever that may be, was very important to you and you would like me to do the same or it could be different. You would like me not to do the same, but as you got to make your decisions during your life, I get to make decisions in mine. It's that simple. It's polite. You don't want to, you do not want to end up in a screaming match with an ancestor, but very politely, but firmly restate that this is your time to make decisions. It is your time to make decisions that fork you over into good places and fork you over into bad places. That's your time to do that. And you ask that they respect your autonomy and that they will still watch over you and assist you and that you still care for and respect them and where they're coming from. And usually that is enough to deal with these clashes that can come up. Most cases don't end up being some overwhelming, like horrible circumstance. But if you did have very firm relatives that had strong beliefs in something for or against, these things can come up. If that approach fails, the next step is just like the imposter spirit situation, you ask your other relatives or another relative, you know, specifically who's passed on, who was more open or call people from further back in your line, even those whose names you don't know, who might be more flexible at this point as they've been adjusting in whatever ways they adjust and ask them to intervene with the meddlesome ancestor and groups of them tend to take out the issue as well and those are the most common things that would come up and they really don't come up that that commonly just important information just in case now as you're working with your ancestors or your I should say, attempting to work with your ancestors, there could be blocks to that occurring. You can be making these attempts and feeling like you're not getting anywhere. And let's discuss why that occurs. There are blocks to connection that happen. And these were just the ones that I could think of, and maybe somebody else will think of more or different. Um, newly departed, those who have recently passed over for some reason are not available. Now, 
I would like to adjust that a bit by saying sometimes when people just like immediately passed, have passed over very, very recently, I don't want to put hours on it, but when they have just passed over, there is that time you'll hear about people saying, I had this dream and they were there and then I got the phone call and they had, they had passed away. They visited, they said they, they came by or that weird breeze and you just kind of know that something's different and then you find out that so-and-so has passed away or the lights that flicker, those types of things that tend to occur around a death. Not everyone in the family will receive anything or notice anything, even if they, they did. And that tends to occur not too long after the time of death. So exempting that period of time after that, there seems to be a time where the newly departed are doing whatever and they just aren't uh, reachable. And that's a thing. I don't know what else to say. So that can be a block to connection, whatever is going on there. Unprocessed grief, no matter how long that's been, if you are carrying a lot of unprocessed grief or extreme grief, that seems to block the connection somehow too. Becomes difficult um, f- when you feel the energy of that departed person, it can bring on more waves of grief. And that is a bit of a hindrance to the connection. That doesn't mean you try to bottle it up because that's not processing it. It does need to get processed out and a bit of healing to occur before that door can be open. Manipulating the message. There are many people, we want a message, we want it to be one way, we want a certain answer, and regardless of what comes, we're going to try to manipulate it and make it be what we want it to be. And there's only so much of that that anybody is going to um, put up with. Your ancestors aren't going to abandon you But if you're making an attempt to connect and they're able to try to connect with you in the ways that they can, and you're warping their message, that warping is a block to connection. And sometimes we receive connection and messages and they come in an unexpected format at unexpected times. And so they're coming in And just the not noticing is its own kind of block. You have to be aware and kind of through experience go, oh yeah, that was a thing. And no, that's just not a thing, but you would think it was a thing. And that just comes with experience. So lack of experience can be a block to connection and overlooking things can be a a bit of a block, but that's easy to break down. Breaking down the other blocks you know, crying your tears, ugly crying, wail, um, allow yourself to get in the, the just dark dirtiness of the grief to process it and seeking counseling if you need it as well. 
if you have extreme unprocessed grief or just new deep grief, you will need to process it. And the only way through the grieving process is to go through it. There are no shortcuts and it's very individual. That's the only way to go. So it's baby steps, one step at a time, and you get counseling if you need it. And as you process, you will find that the spirit you're trying to connect with, the person you're trying to connect with, is easier to access. There is a form of processing um, crying into the earth and it sounds so silly, but really it's so helpful. The allowing a large old tree to process, help you process your pain. So that old hug a tree and cry it out allows Mother Earth to transform this for you and with you. So if you're struggling, it's worth a shot. I have found success with it personally. And then all you can do is try if you need it and it will work or it won't work for you. But you have to feel the heartache so that you can heal and that will break down that barrier. And expecting contact can be iffy. So in working with the ancestral altar space, with holding space for your ancestors, don't expect anything. Go into the experience each time open. Go into your day with your ancestors open to what may or may not occur. Just blank slate and open. Don't expect contact and don't expect a specific form of contact. My grandmother had always said, I'm, I'll tap you on the shoulder from time to time. And that had been for many years, what I was expecting. I wanted that tap on my shoulders. And it was such a holdup for me that and some unprocessed grief, because I'm very good at not allowing myself to fully process it. But I'm getting better at that kind of thing. Um, I was waiting for that tap on the shoulder and it wasn't coming and it wasn't coming. And then I started to spiral into where'd she go? Why isn't this happening? It took years and letting go of that because maybe she has tapped me on the shoulder and I've never noticed totally plausible, or maybe that's just not how she communicates at this point. We have a much more open relationship and she will often stand behind me to the shoulder on my right, but I don't get that tap on my shoulder. I get a very strong presence to the point where I feel like I could turn around and give her a hug, but I'm not going to get the tap on the shoulder. So release the expectation and just see who shows up and how they communicate, how they show themselves. Be open. Some people like to keep journals, so I'll throw it out there. I am not a journal person. But if it helps you link things and go, wait a minute, I think that 
this thing had happened and now there's this and that was a then great go for journaling don't expect specific responses to your questions we'll go say that again be open 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 releasing that one-sided perspective on outcome holding space means holding space so if you light up your candles on your ancestral altar you say whatever you're going to say you give your offerings that you're choosing to give and you are going to sit with that space in whichever way that you prefer to do that you hold space and that is it there's nothing else beyond that required of you and in that openness in that holding of space things can happen or not happen but if it's you sipping a cup of tea while you hold space, you'll be surprised at what you'll get. And don't put words in the mouth of the dead. Again, be open to what comes and try not to go with preconceived notions. Oh yes, he always said this. So now I'm thinking he said it. Just let things happen and see. You can also do dream work, scrying, meditations to break down these, any blockages that might be keeping you from more engagement with your ancestors. If you're going to do scrying work do make sure you do your protective work and know what you're you're doing before jumping into it. Besides just holding the space, which is so important, you want to engage with your ancestors with offerings on the altar, which of course we've talked about, setting a place at the table I know setting an extra space on certain holidays is very important to me. I do feel that it's a different way to hold space. We've all heard the stories of the elderly couple when one of them passes away and the other always sets the table for that other person. And it's it's more than just habit. It's more, it's certainly not about not letting go. There really is a likelihood that that missing person joins them in that dinner. And so it's really a beautiful thing. So setting that table, that extra space is a wonderful way to honor and invite them into your day or your special holiday for more connection. You can speak memories out loud. It's another way to connect and communicate, honoring things from the past, remembering. They remember too. And I like to think that maybe they can get a bit nostalgic as we can as well, uh, but it 
reminds of connection and it reminds you of connection and of your past with that person, if that's somebody that you knew. Of course, the lineage is quite long now, right? You can use candle flame for communication. That's a rather simple one, self-explanatory, but at least I would think it is. But that's using your ancestral candles or maybe lighting a special one for communication and asking if anyone's there, um, asking a, spe a specific relative to step forward, uh, asking for any ancestral spirit to step forward. And you would want to do this with your and on your ancestral altar space so that it is secure and protected and you're not getting just anything mischievous for the fun of it. You want your ancestors and communicating through flame. You can speak through and you can watch for sparks, flickers, and otherwise in response. So candle flame communication is one way that you can engage pretty easily. You can invite them or ask, not invite, but ask them for answers during your dream time, during your sleep. Ask them for a visit. You can do that. Some people are very good at this and others will never have any success and the rest of us are in the middle as far as dreams go and dealing with ancestors. So you will fall somewhere on the spectrum of absolutely not and fantastic. So dreams. And then of course, scrying is another way to communicate. And again, that is going to be very personal to you and how you receive messages. You may see, you may hear, you um, may sense, it, it, you can have a combination, but scrying is another way that you can communicate directly with them. The best way to communicate, in my opinion, is to keep a regular ancestral veneration going, keep it routine, and then invite them into daily life when possible. Passively listen during your veneration times, during the times that you've set aside to connect, but also be aware of other input during other times in your life. You're not just opening this door for connection and communication and assistance when you're at the altar, but during your life as a whole, not just while you're asking them for assistance with divination, but during your life always. So you may receive messages, information, sensations at other times that you should be aware of right before the COVID-19 hit in March where the, the, the first shutdown in California, at least I had a trip planned and that was going to happen. And I'm doing dishes and I got the very clear, you who need to prepare now. And I'm like, 
oh, I'm leaving in two days. I know exactly what they're talking about because I've been watching the pandemic roll towards us in the United States. I didn't expect the run on the grocery stores that I that occurred, but I made sure I went out and I grabbed a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that just in case, but really just because of that one little message while washing dishes and grabbing, no joke, a few extra rolls of toilet paper and some more rice and some more lentils was a huge assistance in the time that was to follow because we got home and then everything um, shut down and the big runs on the stores happened and all of that. So this is, point is, not during ancestral time. This message comes at a time where I'm doing dishes, but just quiet and passively listening and not expecting anything, just going about my day. So be aware, but don't expect. And you'll be surprised what comes in and how it can save your butt over and over and over again. And I promise you, no matter how many times it happens and you listen to the message and it was right, or you didn't listen to the message and wish you had, you will still always go, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was nothing. Maybe that's in my head. It does not matter how many times I'll still do it. You'll still do it. So, uh, it's, it's, it is the way it is what it is, but just be passive, listen, try to take it in. And then you, with what you get, you decide from there what your choice is. Because messages can be sent over, but the option is always yours as to what to do with them. You can also uh, put questions under your pillow. You can write the question and roll or fold the, the paper around mugwort and place that under your pillow. Full moon works best. Um, and you can get answers that way. Again, that kind of is a variance person to person, but that's a really common way to get a clear, concise answer or as clear and concise as you can get from the other side in your dreams. I personally am not a fan of using tarot cards or cardamancy of any kind in um, as an attempt to communicate with any spirit or ancestral spirits, but any spirit at all. And there is a reason, and that's because you will always get a card that you can make into an answer. You're never going to try to communicate and pull a blank card because no one's wishing to say anything to you. And that bothers me. You will always get an answer even if there isn't one. So I don't like tarot for 
communicating with spirits because I think it's faulty. Uh, there's too much room for making it up. And I find for me, that's, un that's, uh, just not acceptable. My preference is greatly for holding space, listening, scrying and dream work and flame if I'm going to be asking questions and trying to communicate. I know others may disagree, but try to think about it. Are you ever going to not pull a card? And then with human nature is to want to fit everything to be a message. So it's so easy to get lost. And then in this maze you've created yourself and there's not even anybody on the other side of the line. And there we go. The scrying and dream work, again, you just want to make sure you are well protected. Um, you have your bases covered in, in doing that kind of work so that you don't accidentally invite something more mischievous into your world to bother you. Because nobody really has time to deal with nonsense at this point. Working with your ancestors brings a feeling of security. It's nice to know that you can always fall back into the arms of your ancestors when you need to. It's really nobody has your back the way that they do. So that, that security is, is really something quite special. Messages that you receive aren't elaborate enough frequently. That's just how it is. But you learn to trust it through experience and time. And there's a letting go and a like a different level of maturity that comes with being able to do that. Being able to have the space in yourself to listen and to trust. Working with your ancestors brings less fear into your life. You don't have as much fear, not to say you become boundlessly fearless of everything, but it lessens because of that security and comfort that you get. And then the fear of death, which I don't think you can escape while living, honestly, but it does lessen and fear of things that happen in life lessens as well. So that's a, a bit of a bonus to say the least. And they bring comfort when it is needed. It has been crucial to my well-being at many times over the past 13 months or so to have their comforting presence and even individually popping up at times where I am very down or dealing with something quite difficult. 
it has given me the boost to move on. It's very um, therapeutic. And I don't think I have words for the way that it helps, but it does substantially. And there'll be times where they are very quiet as well. Sometimes I go, wow, they have been very quiet for a while. Maybe I should check in and find out why. And sometimes there'll be an answer of some sort, and sometimes there won't. You will find that your ancestors will be more quiet sometimes, and there will also be an absence of comfort when it is crucial for your development, which is probably not what we all would like to hear, but there are times where we have to do it ourselves without relying on assistance with making a decision, with making the steps to do something. The way out is through ourselves and we can't rely on active engagement and they will withdraw a certain level um, if it is crucial for development in some way. And that I hope covers ancestors pretty well. Uh, next week, we will talk about spirit work in a different form, not leaving our ancestors behind, but not necessarily diving back into that again for maybe another year. I hope you got something from this, something to think about something new to try, a different perspective, uh, affirmation of something you already held in your heart. And I wish you luck in contacting and embracing and aff affirming your ancestors. May you have success in all that you do and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.